When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today's Coaching Coordinator podcast is a quick cast taken from Lawrence First and Goal Clinic with Oregon Offensive Coordinator Joe Moorhead. He starts by sharing how they break down the red zone and think about game planning in those areas. He goes into and defines RPO and how they think about RPO. He talks about simplicity and their approach to it and then answers a question on the evolution of defense. I think there's some great takeaways from this one. The entire talk is available on CoachTube. And if you haven't seen this one, it's definitely one worth getting. It's a great resource, I think, as you look at your different RPOs that you can use in the red zone. He provides plenty of examples of his team using those, especially as they start to get closer to the goal line and the different things that they use to attack those there. The link for that will be in the show notes, as well as a code on saving on that clinic right now. So here's Coach Moorhead on Red Zone and RPO. Next thing I want to talk about is what we what we define as our red zone areas. All right, so from the uh, minus one to the 10-yard line is backed up for us. From the 11 to the plus 36 is what we call freewheel. Okay, then once we get into what we call the fringe, that's the plus, plus 35 to the plus 26. And to me, this is really the last area on the field where you can take a shot into the end zone. Um, uh, a lot of people call this the logo area. We, we call it the fringe. Uh, and in terms of what we're doing and how teams are playing us, we, we've consistently seen in that fringe area people defending you for the most part like they do up the field. You know, uh, the, the, the fringe area game plan from the 35 to the 26 in most instances mirrors what you're going to see on first, second, and third down uh, in the free wheel zone. So that, that is a place where we like to take shots, where we like to, you know, throw the ball and push it down the field. And, uh, you know, pretty much from the defense, see uh, what you see in the regular uh, free wheel area. The next area down is what we call the red zone, which is usually, which is from the plus 25 to the plus 16 yard line. And from a defensive um, philosophical standpoint, we, this is where you start to see a little bit more pressure and maybe a little bit more one high, a little bit more non-conventional looks than you see in the fringe area or up the field with the thought process that they're trying to close up the middle one or two. They're trying to create some pressures to knock you out of field goal range, particularly at the higher end of the red zone. Okay, The next place that you see is, is what we call the tight red zone, and that's going to be from the plus 15 to the plus six yard line. And for teams that um, – 
kind of have a, a quote-unquote goal line or tight red zone de defense. This is usually the, the point of demarcation, and, and maybe it gets a little bit tighter to the 10 than it is the 15, where if a team's going to play what we call, you know, four bracket, where they're going to play the seven across and rush four and usually pair that uh, with a zero blitz, you know, th this is the, the point in time where, where, where that's usually going to show up. We're going to see a four across or seven across, you know, uh, kind of bracket defense, and then peer pairing that with zero pressures because it's a pretty good disguise. And then, and then some people, once again, depending on the team, they're going to stay in their base game plan. Our goal line is from the five to the one. And to me, that's always been offensive personnel contingent. Uh, you get into 21 12s and, and, you know, we're at UConn 23s, you know, you're going to see a matching of personnel and probably a little bit more heavier fronts. Uh, if you continue to stay in 11s, 10s and 20s, uh, you're going to see a, a, um, a base defense, but a more condensed version of it where some of those two high zones turn into what I call zero locks and you get the constriction of space in order to get uh, eight people uh, around the box against a set where you only have six blockers uh, talking about with an attached tight end and then adding the seventh with a running back. So that's our part of our game planning process. Uh, we go through that for a first and second down exercise and then third down. And then we have, uh, like I said, a fringe game plan, a red zone game plan, a tight road zone game plan, and a goal line game plan, all contingent upon how the defense has presented itself in our breakdown. Working now into, into the RPOs, all right? So I felt, you know, I, I, I don't know that we were necessarily the first people to ever do it, but I think we were on the ground floor of RPOs, you know, going all the way back to some of the stuff we did at Akron, then getting into, um, then getting into um, UConn and then certainly where it really took off at Fordham and Penn State and Mississippi State. Now that we're doing now, people always ask me, well, what is an RPO? So kind of sat down and talked about the five key bullet points, uh, which I feel are um, integral in describing what an RPO is. Number one, I think the primary role of an RPO is that you are going to create conflict with one or more, one or more defensive players, all right? So the primary uh, point and definition of RPO to me is we want to create conflict with one or more defensive players. Number two, once you've, once you've decided who you're gonna create the conflict on, you wanna force the defender to make a quick decision, okay? And in forcing the defender to make a quick decision, you're creating either a two-on-one or a three-on-two mentality, okay? And with the end man on the line of scrimmage, you wanna force him to make a quick decision between tackling the quote dive or playing the quarterback, all right? And if you're making an RPO uh, read off of a second or third level defender, you wanna force him to make a quick decision on either his run fit, number one, or his man or zone coverage responsibility. All right, so number one, creating conflict with one or more defensive players. Number two, forcing a defender to make a quick decision and creating either a two-on-one or a three-on-two mentality, uh, allowing the end man on the line of scrimmage or forcing, I should say, to play either the dive or the quarterback or forcing the second or third level defender to choose between his run fit, number one, or his man or zone coverage responsibility. The third facet, philosophically, is we want to have built-in free access, edge pressure, or man-to-man -man answers, all right? And I think that's critical so you don't get yourself caught in a bad play that you wanna have those three things that are available and they're tools in the quarterback's toolbox. Okay, number four, we wanna have the ability to change a run call to a drop back protection versus a loaded box or pressure. And I think that's probably something a little bit unique that we do uh, that has been part of our RPO thing and that has grown over the years. And lastly, the, the quarterback's decision-making process and kind of what he goes through 
every time that we call an RPO, all right? Number one, is there pre-snap access? Okay, yes or no. Number two, I need to evaluate the issues and the issues are a loaded box or edge pressure. And then I'm going to make the necessary adjustments for there if either the case, either with the protection or with my decision. The next thing he wants to do once he's evaluated, once he's made the decision if there's pre-snap access, if there are any issues, then he's gonna identify his post-snap read or his post-snap reads. And once those have been identified, when he gets in the mesh, this is the question I always have him ask himself. Is the defender being read in position to tackle the ball carrier at or near the line of scrimmage, okay? If the answer is no, it's very simple. He hands the ball off. If the answer is yes, it's a three-pronged uh, three scenario based on how many people were reading. If the answer is yes, then it's a pull and run. If it's a triple option, the answer is pull and run or pull and throw based on what the secondary key does. Or if we're blocking a six for six, then it's a pull and a throw, okay? So once again, create conflict with one or more defensive players. Two, force defender to make a quick decision with a two-on-one or three-on-two mentality, uh, tackling the dive or the quarterback, or playing their run fit, or there's man or zone coverage responsibility. Evaluate the built-in free access, or I'm sorry, create built-in free access, edge pressure, and man answers. Have the ability to change the run call to a drop back protection versus a loaded box or pressure. And then the quarterback's decision-making process. Pre-snap access, number one. Evaluate issues, number two. Identify the post-snap read, number three. And then go through your, your, your decision on whether the ball should be handed off or pulled. Occam's razor theory. Uh, to me, we have a, um, a unique and uncanny uh, ability as offensive coaches and maybe coaches in general to complicate, overcomplicate a simple game. And to me... You know, it may look like we're doing a ton on offense, but I, I want the presentation of it to be the complexity rather than the application of it and the conceptual understanding by the players. So to me, Occam's razor theory is simple. It says it's the principle that of two explanations that account for all of the facts. The simpler one is more likely to be correct and entities are not to be multiplied beyond necessity. Uh, so to me, I think simpler is better. Uh, I think a confused player plays slow. I think a... Um, a player who knows what he's doing, plays with confidence, he plays with physicality, and he plays with precision. So I, I truly believe that. Everything that we do, it's a three. Is it sound? Can we teach it? And can the players execute it? And uh, that, that's the one thing with RPOs that I think people are, are, are searching for that mythical play that answers everything. And, and, and I don't think that there is a perfect play. And, you know, what I've always thought we were pretty good at uh, and continue to be good at is maintaining our aggressive mentality while minimizing risk. You cannot eliminate risk. You can't have a play drawn up and have it answer every single thing that defenses can do because they can do a ton. There, there's going to be a, a play that you have dialed up that, that eliminates 95% of the risk on the field in an aggressive manner. And they, they could bring the one thing that screws the play up. And you know what? Sometimes you have to tip your cap to them and move on to the next play but to me, that's a, keep it simple, maintain your aggressive nature, right? And then minimize risk. And, and I think those are the things that we've done with, with our offense and what, why we find a bunch of success over the years. What are some recent changes in defensive philosophies that have created changes in your RPO game? It, it's kind of ever evolving and, and we need to do things to kind of, so to me, it's kind of the same things. People have gotten 
into playing more man to take the air out of the zone to keep the backer out of conflict. And when people do that, then we get into RS, our RSO game, which is run screen option, where it's more two-on-ones as opposed to second or third level defender. Edge pressure has always been a thing there, but, uh, you know, we pair our RPOs with, um, you know, you know, man-to-man, man-to-man beaters or access, uh, you know. So those are the two things I would say are the biggest defensive philosophies that have changed relative to the um, advancement of the RPO game is seeing more man-to-man, seeing more disguise and late bluffs and seeing more open edge uh, pressures. There's some really good takeaways in today's quick cast. And again, that entire clinic is available on CoachTube. I know we're in season, but I think it provides a great library as you're going through and looking for different ideas on how you might attack a defense. He uses a ton of formations. He's in different areas of the field, especially in that red zone area, and gives you some answers with some different types of runs and passes attached to them. Again, you can get that at CoachTube. The code for that is CCP Moorhead. I'll put that link in the show notes as well as the code. And again, anything you purchase from Lawrence First and Goal supports their cause. Follow all we're doing this season on coachingcoordinator.com and follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski.